Hello, hello. You are listening to Why the World Needs You podcast, hosted by me, Benjamin Fritz. This podcast has been created to empower you to become the person you've always wanted to be. The journey is difficult and the challenges are many, but the rewards of being true to yourself are immeasurable. The objective of this show is to give you a safe, supportive space to learn, gain inspiration, and witness the true power and freedom that comes with becoming the person that you are meant to be. Why the World Needs You is a community of purpose-driven individuals who are passionate, gifted, and have a zest for life. They deeply desire to share their unique voice and gifts in order to make the world a better place for themselves and future generations. They are pulled to a different way of living and a higher purpose, while remaining grounded in their desire to engage and contribute in practical ways. My goal is for you to walk away from each episode with confidence and conviction, sharing your authentic self with the world, as well as a deepening understanding of your potential to impact the world in a way that makes sense to you. I'm honored to have this privilege. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day and your journey. Hello, and welcome to the Why the World Needs You podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Fritz, and today I have Kristen Decker here with me. Kristen Decker is moved by many passions. She is a writer, runner, founder of Urban Bicycle Food Ministry Colorado Springs Chapter, and is an anti-bullying advocate and speaker. Bullying prevention is close to Kristen's heart because she was bullied from the time she was in sixth grade up until her senior year of high school. She knows the psychological toll that bullying can take on kids, for she endured years of vicious bullying with little relief. Kristen, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I like to kind of start these off by just talking about how how we met, how we came in contact. And it's funny because a lot of times I'm like, geez, I really don't even remember the specifics. Um, <laughs> the one thing I do know is we met on LinkedIn. I don't even truly remember how or who connected with who, but um, we met on LinkedIn and I saw your story, you know, I saw your, your bio and everything and immediately was very pulled to your story and wanted to learn more. And I'm excited to, to have you on. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited. So let's just kind of start there. I mean, obviously bullying is, is a huge part of what you went through and your mission mm-hmm. now. So give us a little bit of background on, on that and how that came about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So beginning in sixth grade was when my bullying started. Um, These two girls created a burn book about me, kind of like the one in the movie Mean Girls. And they posted what they wrote in the book online for people to read on AOL Instant Messenger, which every time I say that, I feel so old because kids nowadays were like, what is that? (laughs) We we are so old. (laughs) Yeah, right. So yeah, so that's kind of when the bullying started. And then seventh grade, I don't really remember too much. Um, But then in eighth grade, the bullying kind of picked up again. Um, Kids would yell in the hallway that I was fat and ugly and sent surveys around to their friends asking if they agreed with that statement. And not only was I being bullied in school, but I was also bullied by peers at church. So it was really hard for me to believe Um, Like God made me in his perfect image when kids were even bullying me at church. Um, So it's due to what kids started saying about me, I began um, to become anorexic and had a battle of depression. So I was like, okay, after eighth grade, I was like, high school is going to be different, like a new mix of people, like it's going to be so much better. 
Um, but the bullying continued and my eating disorder and depression became more severe. And I began to have thoughts of suicide and self-harm because of the bullying. Um, I was told by kids that if they looked like me, that they would kill themselves. I had a teacher in high school tell me that she didn't like me because I wasn't a size zero and I wasn't on the cheerleading team. When in high school, I was a three sport athlete, but cheerleading was just not the sport that I chose to do. Um, I had my best friend yell in the hallway, Kristen, why are you getting that? You're already fat. When I was in the cafeteria, um, I had kids throw gum in my hair and trash at me and told me they thought I was a trash can. I was compared to a Chucky doll. I had my first grade picture sent around the school saying ugly then, ugly now. Um, so because of all that, it took a huge toll on my self-esteem and just really dug more deeper into my depression and my eating disorder and just really did not want to be alive anymore. I spent a lot of nights like crying in my bed, like not wanting to live, like not sure why this was happening to me and why kids were continuing to pick on me so much like they were. Um, so after my sophomore year, I ended up going to the hospital for 10 days for my eating disorder, suicidal thoughts, and depression. And when I was in the hospital, doctors told my parents that if I did not transfer out of the high school I was in and get help in two months when we would normally be shopping for my homecoming dress, my parents would be picking out my funeral outfit. So it was a rough 10 days. <laughs> I was not one wanting to be in the hospital, um, and two, like really at that time didn't want help. Um, but it was a huge blessing because now I can look back at that and say like, it's been 11 years in remission of that because of being in the hospital. Um, so after I got out of the hospital, my parents were like, you should really talk to Matt, who was the youth pastor at our church. And I was like, absolutely not. Like I want nothing to do with anybody anymore. <laughs> like I don't want to share my story because when I was in the hospital, I shared my story with the social worker there and she told me that I was lying. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm lying, then you can like, let me get out of this hospital right now. Um, because of just the severity of my story, she just didn't believe that all that stuff could happen to me. And so I sat down with Matt and I shared with him my story and I was like, why me? Why am I going through this? Like, I don't understand. And at that time he was diagnosed with multiple melanoma and he looked at me and was like, well, why me? Why cancer? And so like at that moment, an unexplainable friendship was formed just in the sense of like, we both could understand what the other person was going through in the sense of like questioning and like wondering like, why would this was happening? And like, why, why we were going through this and if there was hope for us. So he didn't know what it was like to be bullied and I don't know what it's like to have cancer, but just that underlying understanding of it all. And so once I got out of the hospital, I also had to talk with my best friend's parents. I sat down with them at their kitchen table and I can like distinctly remember like where we were all sitting and it was her parents and her brother. And I like broke down crying, like just terrified that they weren't going to let me be friends with my best friend anymore because in my mindset, it was like, well, why would you allow your daughter to be friends with somebody who's got such a messed up background and like was in the hospital and had an eating disorder and all that kind of stuff. But they looked at me and they were like, Kristen, like, we're going to help you get through this. And we're not going to like take her away from you just because you're struggling right now. So that's kind of when I realized like 
my friends, my true friends in my life, because I kept a lot of people in my life who bullied me, like my best friend who told me like that I was fat and things like that. And so I started to kind of learn who actually deserved a spot in my life. And so we sat down with the principal at my first high school and I shared with her, like, I needed to transfer schools. Like doctors are telling me in two months, like I'm going to be dead if I don't get help and transfer out of this situation. And the principal was like, we really want you to stay and like combat the bullies and we'll work with the teacher who bullied you. And I was like, no, like my safety and me being alive is more important than staying here to fight these bullies at this point. So I ended up transferring schools for my junior and senior year. And I was like, okay, new school, new people, like not people that I went to like elementary school or junior high with, like, this is going to be so much different. And it was for about a few months and then the bullying started again. And so, um, I went on a date with this guy and it was just like beyond awkward. Like those first dates where you're like, okay, like this is super awkward. Like we're not really talking, like there's nothing really going on. And so on the date, he reached over and grabbed my chest and made a sexual harassing comment. And at that time I just felt like super violated. And so I was like, I texted one of my friends and I was like, Hey, can you call me telling me like your cat died or some excuse to get me home? And so she called me and he took me home. And ever since that moment, that's when the bullying started again at my second school. Um, I started receiving harassing text messages from unknown numbers, telling me what a horrible person I was, calling me a bitch, calling me a cunt, like just all because I left the date because I didn't feel comfortable. And so that's kind of where the bullying picked up again. And so anytime I'd walk in the hall, like people would make gagging noises at me. One day I wore a pink shirt and I can like distinctly remember my like head to toe outfit in this. Like, and I remember going shopping for this pink shirt because my mom was like, okay, you're going to a new school. Like we'll get you some new clothes, like kind of boosting that self-confidence. And I remember like grabbing the shirt. And if I was what people were saying, like calling me fat and things like that, like there's no way I could fit into that size shirt. And so like, I kind of really started working through like my mental mentality with it and really reframing my thoughts based on like actual evidence rather than just what people were telling me. So I wore this pink shirt to school one day and kids started making oinking noises at me anytime I walked by and compared me to a pig. So then it started like hitting my self-esteem and just really tanking a toll. But I did not resort back to the negative thinking of, I mean, yes, I still had negative thinking, but I didn't go back to the negative coping skills of like not eating and harming myself and things like that. Um, so kids started making an online forum that was dedicated to making fun of me. I one night was babysitting for a family and received a harassing and sexual harassing text message from an unknown number. And due to the severity of what was written in the text messages, the police got involved and the two kids who sent the or sent the text message were given a restraining order from me. And I was like, okay, like I'm starting to feel good about like finally being able to stand up for myself and like slowly taking those steps to let people know, like, you can't do this to me anymore. Um, but that next day at school, because the kids told their friends 
that they got in trouble by the police. I started receiving harassing text messages um, from unknown numbers, and some of them included death threats for me. So as the day continued at school, someone followed me into the bathroom, grabbed me, threw me against the bathroom wall, and told me that if I ever picked my head up in the hallway or did anything like that again with going to the police, that they would kill me. So I immediately went to the school, and my school told me that it was okay that she said and did that to you. She's had a rough upbringing. And I'm like, so somebody can threaten to kill me with no repercussions, and that's okay? So thankfully, I had a teacher who let me hide out in her classroom when I was terrified to be in the hallways, terrified that if I picked my head up, I was going to be killed and things like that. And so one day, this was like a couple days after, I was still receiving these text messages just telling me what a horrible person I was and just basically threatening to kill me because of standing up for myself. And I responded back to one of the text messages and I was like, I did fucking nothing wrong. And I sent the text message and then I get a text message from my dad and he's like, I need you to go to the bathroom and call me like now. So I go to the bathroom and I call my dad and my dad's like, Kristen, like you're about to get in trouble with the school. And I'm like, for what? And he's like, cause you said fucking in a text message. And I'm like, people are threatening to kill me and that's okay. But I said fucking in a text message and that's going to get me in trouble. My dad's like, just stop responding to these people. Like, just, just let it lay low for a bit. So I did. And thankfully because of that teacher, I was able to lay a lot lower than I, you know, could. And so eventually what seemed like an eternity, I finally graduated high school and have never turned back. It's been almost 11 years in July of being in remission from my eating disorder, um, depression, and suicidal thoughts. Um, and the impact that Matt had on me during that time of just like being there for me and just, um, giving me the permission and the reassurance that like I wasn't alone and like my questioning and things like that. Um, so the impact that he had in my life, not only inspired me to run, but also now to kind of share my story and just like let youth know that they're not alone in the battles that they face and they're not defined by what anybody says about them. And I think that's so true too, even with adults, because even as adults, we get bullied and we let other people determine our worth. And it's, it's something like, even as an adult, like if wish was just as easy as like a flip of a switch light, where like self-confidence and just like loving yourself and not letting people affect you, like doesn't get to you, but it still does. So thank you for sharing that. It's, um, hard to listen to just, you know, I'm, I'm a very empathetic person. So hearing that I start to get upset and angry and (laughs) like, you know, pissed off for you. It's like, I can only imagine, I mean, I truly can't imagine what it would have been like to go through that. So thank you for sharing that and all the details. Yeah. Oh man, it's, it's crazy. And it's really interesting to, hear this because um, I'll just be very outright in saying that it's kind of, it was kind of like a worst fear of mine and something that I was always like the all American boy. Mm -hmm. And so I never had to deal with that. And I was so grateful for that. But the, the reason I mentioned that is because 
like, <laughs> I can't even imagine trying to make it through that because I had my own issues with self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was like, if I was the all-American boy and people were constantly telling me how great I was and how attractive I was and how good I was at stuff and I still had confidence issues, mm-hmm. like, what the fuck would I do if I, I didn't have all of that? Right. So, so it's like very powerful for me to hear that just because I have so, so much respect for you and everything that you went through. And it's hard. I'm like getting emotional thinking about it because I know for a fact that I, while actively never bullied somebody or Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say never, I'm sure I said little things here and there. But I know there were times where I was around bullying and I didn't do anything about it because mm-hmm. I was scared to to kind of, you know, rock the boat. I was scared to, um, you know, it was easier to go with the people bullying, right? Instead mm-hmm. of, so I never like actively took part, but I just remember feeling so terrible about not standing up for those people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something in my own life I've I've had to work through is you know, just, just voicing my opinion more and not being scared to take conflict head on and that kind of thing, stand up for mm-hmm. what I believe in. So anyways, wanted to say my little piece there and just, but really bring it back to how much respect I have for, for you and what you've gone through and the incredible amount of strength it had to take to get through all that. Yeah. I shared my story for the very first time this past summer. And that was the very first time, like outside of my family, there's maybe like five people who knew what I went through, but I was like, it was like on my heart. And I was like, okay, I'm going to share it if this is what I'm supposed to do. And I, as I was like planning it and like going back and like reviewing my story, it was like almost kind of like, holy cow, like I, how am I alive right now? You know, like, and you, and people, I share it and people look at me and they're like, and you're alive, how? Or people will ask me like, did you wear a mask? Like, did you really like do something to yourself to make you stand out? And I'm like, no, I didn't do anything. Like, and so it is crazy. Like never in a million years, especially when I was in like the heart of being bullied and like laying in bed at night, like just not wanting to be alive. Did I think like, I'm going to make it through this no matter what, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and just like one of the first questions coming up for me and it's definitely not the most important, but like for me, it was kind of what you were just mentioning there is like, and I guess you did mention it at one point, but like why you, Mm -hmm. why do kids do this? Why is it so common? Why did it happen repeatedly? So those are all kind of the thoughts going through my head. So I guess we'll start with like one thing at a time. Just so you have something to answer. (laughs) let's just go generic and say, why do you think kids bully? I think hurt people hurt people. And I think I became a target beginning in sixth grade. And I let people's opinions and thoughts about me become my thoughts about me. And so I think I just became vulnerable and just became like a target because people knew like, oh, she's not going to do anything. She's just going to like take it. And I became that easy target for them to hit. And then once I did learn to stand my ground and then the bullying kind of happened again due to that situation, like, so that I can pinpoint, but like from sixth grade to like sophomore year, like I have no idea, like, 
but I think it's really like hurt people hurt people. And it's obviously not okay. Like if you're hurt, you need to get help for whatever hurt you're experiencing. But yeah, but I don't know like what, what about me in sixth grade became a target and then what in eighth grade became a target. But I think like once eighth grade hit and my self-esteem tanked and I wasn't eating and I was severely depressed, like then I became more not willing to stand my ground. So I became an easier target, but I honest to God don't know why it started. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because I was kind of wondering that too, but actually as soon as you said that, what came to me was it probably wasn't you. It was probably the, just the age you were at. And like mm-hmm. at that point as, you know, adolescents, teenagers, whatever, at that point, that's when I think, and I, again, this could be part of your message is I think we all have our insecurities at that mm-hmm. age. Right. And, and I, that relates back to what I was saying too, like those things start to come up for us. And so it makes sense then like what you're saying is essentially, and then too, you compare what you're saying, add that to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, the perceived weakest link then is kind of the first one to go. And, and then mm-hmm. people just kind of like latch on and, you know, take me for example. And I'm like, okay, well, you don't want to get in the middle of anything here. You also don't want to stand up to the person leading this because mm-hmm. you wouldn't want to put your in a, yourself in a position somehow to, you know, get yourself excluded from the group. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so people like me just shut up and stand there because then at least I know I'm safe, right? Because I'm right. not the target currently. Mm-hmm. And so as long as it's directed at you, then nobody can be harmed or like right. I can't be harmed. So it's like ends up being a, a, just like a, you know, one of those games that the the name wasn't great, but smear the queer, that mm-hmm. was like a thing. And it was like that person, everybody just gang up on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what's hard about being in like that situation, because like even as adults, like I had a situation at work with grown adults who she was like one of my bosses was just like ripping on somebody. And we all sat there like it happens, like still, even no matter what I've gone through, like, and you think I'd be like, yeah, like I'm going to stand up. But then like you get in situations and you're like, you almost like freeze because you're like, I don't know how to handle this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to stand up. Like, what if she comes at me then? And then. So I think even in those situations, it's like important then that you take the next step after. So maybe like you weren't able to stand your ground to them then, but like, then you go and check on the person who was being bullied and make sure like they, they know, like they're not defined or whatever they said about her. They're not, it's not who they are. And just to make sure like they're okay. So I think even now, like we struggle with like standing up for people, but then it's also like, okay, if you couldn't stand up in that moment, how can you help someone the second that you walk away from them too, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's so interesting. Um, Also, I want to quickly mention that I, because I didn't mention at the beginning of the podcast for everybody, (laughs) right before we started recording, Kristen and I realized that uh, we went to the same high school. (laughs) (laughs) So not, not together. We were like our classes didn't overlap, but it's funny because she is in Colorado Springs and I'm here in Chicago and we just were kind of chatting before we jumped on and found out that we went to the same high school. So 
it's like just super interesting to transport us both back to mm-hmm. that time. And it makes, again, it makes it that much more real for me. So anyways, just kind of a, a, a crazy, crazy fact <laughs> for everybody yeah. listening. Um, so I'm curious, like there's so many little pieces of these, you know, your story that mm-hmm. are, are crazy and impactful. So the one that sticks out to me or one of them that sticks out is the, the teacher, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Like that's kind of a big thing. And this is like, even if you, even if you chalk it up to kids will be kids, which I'm not saying is okay, but like, right. even if you say that much, but then there's still a teacher that did it. Like, what was mm-hmm. that like for you? And how did that impact you with it being an adult figure and not a, a kid? Yeah. So what's crazy about that is I actually have a picture from the day because my friends and I were like, you know, cause it's a cool thing in high school. You're like, Oh, let's all take photos together. And so we asked this teacher to take the photo. So I actually have a photo from that day that she took when she made that comment to me. Um, so I look back at that now and I'm like, man, like when I was, when I have an eating disorder, I was, I was really sick. So, but it shouldn't matter if I was like a size zero or a size like 50, like no adult should say that to you. And I think Mm -hmm. I struggled a lot with that because I was like, well, kids say it and adults say it. So now does that make it true? So then when like adults would be like, Kristen, like, let's work through this, like, you know, X, Y, and Z, it was hard to believe because I'm like, well, kids say it and adults say it. So where's the truth coming into it? But thankfully I did have a one, that one teacher who helped me like flip that switch and like mindset on teachers in general, because she was the complete opposite of that other teacher. So that was a huge blessing in it, but it was really hard because you're like, you have these teachers who are supposed to be like your role model and supposed to like help you through high school and things like that. And then when they bully you, you're like, okay, well, what's the point? What's the point of life? What's the point of thinking I'm, I'm, I'm okay just the way I am and things like that. So. Yeah, it's right. They're there to protect and maintain order and all those things. Mm -hmm. So like the second that doesn't happen, you know, you're already kind of holding on by a thread and then it's like Mm -hmm. that thread gets cut and then it's like, what the fuck? Like what, like what is actually going on? Um, So I'm curious. You don't want to talk to adults because you're like, yeah. Okay. Well, you're just, if I, if bullying happens at school and you're supposed to be the person I go to, why, who am I supposed to go to if a teacher says it? So that was like a, a hard line to walk to the first few years. Yeah. And that's actually kind of what I was curious about is you, you know, you mentioned at one point that you started figuring out who your real friends were, but especially like, as you were going through this, how did you navigate it in terms of like, did your parents know at the time, like when things were really bad, like in the middle of it, um, did you tell friends or how, how did you go to people for support and what were the things that the good parts like who really helped you out and how did that look and where didn't you find support and realize that you um like couldn't lean on people mm-hmm. so in eighth grade I ran track and field and 
after I ran the mile, I ended up passing out in one of my friend's arms from just not eating and then running. And so people then started to find out that I wasn't eating and I had a teacher come up to me and she was like, Kristen, like, I know you're not eating. Like, let me get you help. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like that just was a fluke thing. You know, I just kind of brushed it off. And then I had two friends go to the counselor and tell the counselor, like, Hey, we don't think Kristen's eating, blah, blah, blah. So I, you know, the counselor pulled me in and she's like, you know, they're concerned you're not eating. And I'm like, well, I'm eating because eating disorders are such a manipulative, manipulative um, disorder where I was eating. It just maybe was like a week ago or, you know, like it wasn't like they weren't, they weren't specific in their questions. So I wasn't mm-hmm. specific in my answer. Um, so that's kind of when, and the counselor called my parents, but I lied through my teeth on that one with them. And then sophomore year, is when things got really, really bad with my eating disorder. And that's when my parents started to kind of notice more. Um, My parents are like two of the best people that have like ever walked this earth. So even in like the hardest times, like I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to tell them what was going on and things Mm. like that. But once, once they started figuring it out and I came forth more openly, that's when like, they're like a huge reason as to why I'm able to have this conversation with you right Mm -hmm. now is because they helped me get back on eating and they helped me get back safely and things like that. So once my parents knew, like they became my foundation, but with friends, I think I, I wanted to be friends with everybody because I wanted people to validate who I was because people were telling me negative things about myself. So I gravitated towards the wrong people. And if you ask my mom, she'll tell you that same thing too. She's like, I knew those people were not good people. And I'm like, oops. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so, but now looking back, like there was three close friends of mine who stood by my side since day one. But at that time, like they couldn't validate me the way, like I wanted them to. So I leaned on the wrong people to do so so hard at that age because I think so many times we yeah we pick friends for the wrong reasons Mm -hmm. right and if you're in a susceptible position like you are or were at that time then it has the potential to make things really really bad Mm -hmm. it's amazing to hear that your your parents are are such good people and that's it's so huge. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for my parents as well. And I can't even imagine going through something like that where, where you didn't have supportive parents. Um, and so it's like you said, you, you know, owe them everything. And that's awesome. How, like when you started kind of coming out of it, you mentioned you're looking for people to validate you. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, you were reduced to, like absolutely just about nothing, right? Like Mm -hmm. truly what now in hindsight can you see was the process for you to start realizing that validation starts from inside and that you didn't need kind of that to rely on that input from others? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think when I look back at that, I, you hear so like when you hear things so often of like, you're ugly, you're ugly, you're ugly, then that's like your perception of you. And so then when you hear it one time of like, oh, you're pretty, 
you're like, oh, yeah, whatever. Five people told me I'm ugly, but you're the one person who says I'm pretty. Like, so once I started getting help, I realized that my validation had to come from within me. And like, I couldn't look for other people telling me like I'm pretty or I'm ugly. Um, which took a lot of work and it took like a Mm -hmm. lot of reframing my thoughts. So like I was compared to a cow, this person made a online and it said, bitch, fat cow, go moo. And that was like my description under my name. And so like, then it was like reframing thoughts of like, okay, well, I know I'm not a cow. I'm a, I'm a human. So obviously that's false. So it took a lot of like reframing those negative thoughts that people like drilled into my head. And then once I was able to work through those, then it was more of like learning, like more about who I am as a person, like who I want to be as a person, like how I want to be perceived, what impact and difference I want to make and really like hone in on like what makes me me. And then I was able to grow self-love and validation for myself out of that. But it's still really hard, even like as an adult, because of what I've been through. So when people are like mean or like, don't treat me nice, then it's like my automatic sense is like, Oh God, go negative with myself. But it's still a work in progress to be like, let's make this positive kind of a thing, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Through that process, did you have, or or like at any time Mm -hmm. until now, have you had a, therapist, counselor, coach, or anybody help you through that? Or is that stuff you've come to on your own? Yeah. So once I got out of the hospital, I saw a therapist like twice a week for a few years after that, Mm -hmm. um, which helped a lot because there's no way I could do the reframing of my thoughts by myself Mm -hmm. or like really learn how to do that. Um, Like my parents more took care of like the eating, the safety concerns, things like that. Mm -hmm. So then the therapist was able to help me deal with like my mind. So I didn't have to worry about, I know I have to eat, but what do I eat kind of a thing so that it helped on both ends of it. But I don't think I'd be able to get through it without like a therapy either because it, what I went through was traumatic. I mean, yeah, when doctors tell you you're supposed to be dead in two months, like you don't get to, you don't get that diagnosis is for just because, you know, so for sure, therapy was huge in that too. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear that, and I was I was assuming there was some help along the way because, yeah. like you said, <laughs> I mean, I can't I can't even imagine trying to come out of that alone. Mm-hmm. For you, do you think that this process for you? So, for example, for myself, um, one of the things that you know, go back to what I was saying about the all American boy thing. And even into my adult life, um, I, I worked out all the time and I'd really like built up my physique and I became a person, I like ditched a desk job, became a personal trainer did all these things. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of years ago, I got really sick and to this day, I still have not been able to, to work out like that. So I like lost my body and, you know, in what it was. And mm-hmm. so for me, it was a really big moment and transition because I had an identity crisis and I didn't realize how much my worth was tied into my body and my image. And so kind of going back to that, like I said, all those things in high school that I identified with, I didn't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. But for me, although it was such a frustrating and difficult 
time. Now, in hindsight, I'm so, so grateful for it because now I've had the time to reflect on who I am, what makes me special, like what's amazing about me and in a not, you know, a bragging way, but in ways that I just knew I was like, Oh, like I am a good person. These are the things that are great about me. So I really am grateful for my experience. Have you experienced any of that or is it still too fresh and painful for you? No, I think it probably took um, over five years for me to like realize like, what I went through, like has made me the person that I am. And when I, cause I think there's bullying and then there's my story of bullying. Like my story just takes it to a whole nother level. And I know there's people whose level of bullying is even worse than mine. But I think now that I've stood on stages and shared my story to youth and kids who are where I was back in that time. And they hear my story and they've said like, your story brings me hope. Like your story makes me realize like life's worth living. Like I'm not defined by other people. And at that point, like it was such a, like, I'm like, okay, like I will go through all of that again. If it means like one kid gets inspiration and hope to like live and like live into who they are and not defined by other people. So it's taken a very long time. Mm-hmm, for that mm-hmm. mindset shift but yeah but the past few years it's been it's been pretty incredible just to if if I can share my story and just inspire somebody that's walking the similar journey that they're not alone I think that's huge because as adults we have a hard time sharing about the things we go through but as kids like we definitely don't talk about it like we don't talk about the bullying that we go through or if you have a rough home life like you don't talk about those things so when somebody can stand up in front of you and say like Cause like a year into my recovery, I attended an event and the speaker was like, yeah, I had an eating disorder. And I'm like, well, like me too. Like it was mm-hmm. like so inspiring to just have somebody in front of you that I necessarily know, but just be like, I've been there and I'm on the other side. So now to bring that hope to other people, it's, it's, it's been incredible. So. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And that's pretty much the, the sense that I got from you when we first connected and that's what I thought was so cool. And I didn't even know all the details, uh, mm-hmm. of course, at the time. But now, you know, again, like I said, it just goes to show how strong you are. And I truly believe that there are certain people that are like, <laughs> that are just chosen to, mm-hmm. to go through shit because they're strong, because mm-hmm. they have the ability to survive and because they they have what it takes to lift others up. And it's kind of like, you know, it doesn't seem fair. I'm not saying it makes sense, but, (laughs) but it's like, you know, for somebody like you, it's like you, you were put through that because the, the gift that you have to give to others now Mm -hmm. is, is massive. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, is that how you feel about it too? Yeah. I mean, if you were to tell me like, when I was put in the hospital and if they were like, okay, like you're going to go through this and it's going to be rough. It's going to be the worst seven years of your life, but then you're going to stand on stages. You're going to be a best-selling author. You're going to do X, Y, and Z. I've been like, uh, you're a liar. Like yeah. don't <laughs> feed me this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, like 
honestly, in the darkest days, like there was no light for me, like at yeah. all. Like I was like, this is it. This is how life's going to be for the rest of my life. If I make it to tomorrow kind of a thing. So for sure. Yeah, I definitely am now like, I look back and I like, every time I share my story, I'm just like, holy cow. Like, and it's not like to pat myself on the back, but it's almost like, look at what you've been through and look at which, like how strong you came out of it. And now you can help someone else. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, yeah, I, I love that so much. What would your message be to anybody in you know, not even just a situation like yours, but anybody who is just in such a deep, dark place. And like you just said, you know, being on stages, written a book, like that's so cool. Like, what would you say to that person? I would let them know first that they're not alone because I think that's so huge when we're in our darkest days is that we feel like we're alone and that we're the only person that's ever been in a dark place and things like that. So that would probably be the first thing. But then I would also just remind them like, this is temporary. And if someone were to say that to me in that time, I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. But like, (laughs) I would just remind them and be like, I'm here. Like I have walked a dark path before, but like, let me help you see the light. Kind of like how Matt showed me the light. Like, Mm -hmm. let me be Matt to you to help you through it. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's, yeah. it's so important for people to hear. And that's truly a really fundamental aspect of this podcast is sharing people's stories and their struggles because truly we all come out of it better. And again, like you said, it's not like if we were told that during that time, we'd been like, fuck you, this sucks. Right. Like, <laughs> like, don't tell me that this is all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's just so powerful because it gives a message of hope. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that really is what people need Mm -hmm. in those moments of just feeling so down or so lost or so alone. Yeah. It means everything. Mm -hmm. And I think if more people came forth with their struggles, like things would be easier for people. Like people wouldn't know that they're not alone and hopefully break the barrier that we have as a society of like, you keep your problems to you. Like Mm -hmm. we don't talk about them kind of a thing, but I just think there's so much power in people sharing their stories because we all go through something like Mm -hmm. every single one of us. And, you know, it doesn't define who we are, but it could lead us to the purpose of making a difference in someone's life. So. Yeah. And I, I truly believe that too. It's like our, our story is, that's where our power lies, right? Mm -hmm. That's where our ability to improve the lives of others is. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I think that's, it's so key. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've really enjoyed everything we've talked about. I've got uh, a little segment I like to do here at the end of, I call it the visionary hat trick. So just three questions. I think we're all kind of like what we were just talking about. We're all like visionaries in our own way in terms Mm -hmm. of we can, we use our gifts kind of along with our experiences to be able to give back and to share and to, to better the world. Um, Mm -hmm. So three questions around that. They're just kind of like quick, quick answers. Yeah. First one is what's one belief that you have that you think might sound a little bit crazy or that you worry about being judged for? That, by sharing your story that you can really make an impact in this world. Mm. Mm. 
It's all good. <laughs> um, the second one then is for you, your mm-hmm. personal vision, as you continue to live that and create that, what does that look like or feel like to you and what impact will that have? My goal of life would be to end bullying. And I know that's like a huge goal and may never happen, but that is, that is until the day I die, that'll be my, my mission and goal in life is to help put an end to it. Hmm. Yeah. I think too, it's so, uh, there's a, a Steve Jobs quote where he says, um, the people that have something along the lines of like people that have crazy ideas are the ones that do mm-hmm. amazing things. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Uh, I'm right there with you. Just keep on rolling with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third question then is we're like zooming all the way out, thinking big picture. And maybe yeah. this answer kind of falls in line uh, with this question for you. And that is, what is your hope for humanity? That people would stop judging one another and that we would accept people for how they are and who they are and not judge them for that. They don't fit into our quote unquote stereotype of what we think they should be like. Mm. Thank you. I totally agree. So good. (laughs) Um, Kristen, where can people find you if they want to learn a little bit more about you? Um, You're speaking, you said you have a book. Yeah. I was featured in the overcoming mediocrity, fearless women book. Awesome. Okay, cool. Where can people find more about you and that stuff? Yeah, uh, kdmotivates.com. And if you want me to bring the message of hope to youth or young adults, like that's where you can find me. And then on Instagram at Kristen underscore Decker. Awesome. And I will put those links in the show notes below so people can get right to those. Kristen, thank you so much for sharing everything today. Do you have anything we didn't touch on? Any last words for the listeners? Uh, my last words would be that you're not defined by what anybody says about you and that we all have something unique about ourselves that we need to bring and leave in this world. So I encourage you to do that. Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so, so much. Really enjoyed our time together. Thank you. Hey, yo, thanks so much for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just a reminder that all the relevant links can be found in the show notes below, as well as that of our free Facebook community, where all the cool kids are at, just being ourselves, sharing our gifts, and supporting the hell out of one another. So come on in, introduce yourself, and join the party. See you in there.